Welcome to What the If News Election Day Special. It is Election Day in these United States, these very disunited states. Uh, how are you, Gabby and Matt? Uh, I have voted. Yeah, Matt has voted. Same. Matt has voted. Same. Uh, for those who have no idea who any of us are, uh, I am. Uh, I was. I, I haven't identified myself for a long time, so it is election day. You know, um, I'd show you my signature if I had that and, and some photo ID. But again, we don't. It's audio, it's audio only. Uh, Philip Shane, documentary filmmaker. And uh, I have also voted, I voted absentee, which uh, in New York, we are, you, you are allowed, I mean, going way back, you were allowed to do that early on. They just said, yeah, the Corona thing, anybody can be absentee. So uh, interestingly, there was one, there are many typos on the ballots okay. <laughs> and the absentee ballots. There's a very minor typo, but like on the absentee ballot, it was labeled as, it was supposed to be labeled as absentee slash military ballot so it's good for right if you're in the military technically you're not absentee in fact if you were absentee in the military you're in trouble <laughs> you, would, you might go to leavenworth um but anyway the slash was missing and so it just said absentee military ballot um, oh, so I see. <laughs> we are all awol as far as that's mm -hmm. concerned but yes i voted so matt you voted you voted in person and, i did indeed um, the it, traditional democratic experience yeah. and um this is a news. This is the news division of uh, what the if, uh, where uh, on Fridays we make it up, um, but the science is real, and uh, on that that's wonderful on our feature program what the if, and where we do thought experiments every week. And here, this is a, Monday is a news program where all the stuff is real. Occasionally, we make up stuff just to have fun, just to keep jokes. you on your toes. <laughs> Not really make up stuff. We're just sarcastic and rude at times um so uh but this will go up today so people will be listening um oh, this afternoon and so you're for those uh, everyone uh, who's interested in what the polling situation was like how was it for you Matt? it was very smooth and easy um, fantastic no lines uh, no lines um everything functioned as advertised um we'll see if democracy functions as advertised right so the inputs functioned we don't know the outputs mm -hmm. how those worked as well uh gabby how about you i also mailed mine in so very very easy very short line of the polls yeah 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 um i am curious about the mail situation there is a thing but for those who are listening if you don't know and if you guys don't know you can track your ballot interestingly i don't know if that applies to everyone but for new york you can actually there's a website you can go and see it just like when you're waiting for your package from amazon you, know, oh, nice. you, can, you can actually cool. see your ballot on, on its way in um so Mine currently, when I look on the map, it just shows a dot in the middle of the lake in Central Park. I'm not <laughs> sure if that's correct. No, it's all good. So uh, it'll be an exciting evening. Um, so uh, Gabby, you Gabby is a, a virologist at Rockefeller University, and are you in a? I don't know if we've mentioned before. Are you? Are you in a particular? department we know that your your lab the head of your lab won a nobel prize very yeah, recently so, so what do you do but what, what rockefeller what? doesn't have departments which is really fun ah. um 
We are the Laboratory of Virology and Infectious Disease. So we kind of just cover viruses, infectious diseases, really as advertised, but basically any virus that Charlie can get his hands on, we, we usually study. <laughs> that sounds like that'd be a great sign. You know, whatever, Char- if Charlie got his hands on it, we're <laughs> studying it. That's excellent. Um, and you said as advertised, I did not know that viruses are, and infectious diseases are advertising, but it doesn't yeah, surprise you know, me on just- Facebook, anything. Anyway. Yeah, we take out ads all the time. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen our billboards. <laughs> oh, you're taking a home virus. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but speaking of advertising, you know, if they were, they are having the virus is having, unfortunately, a highly successful campaign. Uh, I have always wanted to maybe one day, maybe, if, you know, by the time we get to April 1st, we'll see how we're doing. If, we're, if, if any of we are alive for any of the various reasons why we shouldn't be. Um, April 1st, I wanted to do a show which is just for viruses. Like Monty Python used to have it. They would do the, the news for badgers. And it was all yeah. oh, that's right. a plane crashed today. 700 people were killed, but no badgers were injured. Um, or maybe that was a Saturday Night Live. Anyway, um, the news here, this is real news. This is real. This is from the New York Times. That's how you know it's real. It's behind a paywall. Um, <laughs> okay, that's the standard. Got to be real. Uh, I love, uh, we love the time. So, uh, Gabby, you pointed this out. So, I'll, I'll read this in, in a bit. I'll give us a little excerpt. But what was it that jumped out at you? What, what, what made you say, um, you want to share? Basically, you help us get behind the headlines. We learn a little bit of science behind the news stories. So, yeah. So, this one really jumped out at me because I thought it really kind of captured what we're seeing right now with this odd mixture of cases are soaring, but the culture of going back into lockdown and really taking precautions has not caught up with it. We're all just sort of hanging around like it was in the summer. And now we're really seeing the problems with that. So I thought this was a really good uh, article to highlight that difference. Cool. Cool. All right. And the headline is, I'll just read an excerpt. Uh, How are Americans catching the virus? Question mark. Increasingly, quote, they have no idea. New outbreaks used to be traced back to crowded factories. Yeah, remember that? And rowdy bars. Uh, But now the virus is so widespread, not even health officials are able to keep up. And this is uh, the reporters are Sarah uh, Mervosh and Lucy Tompkins from The New York Times. I'll put the link uh, in the show description. By the way, you can also also go, just a quick shout out to our website, whattheif.com. You can see this, you can find that link and uh, listen to all our other episodes, especially all of Gabby's episodes. If you really, if you hadn't been listening uh, in a while, just a lot of these are kind of evergreen. Unfortunately, a lot of these issues exist far more than one week. So uh, whattheif.com. So continuing with the article, um, there's a picture there of North Dakota which leads the nation in new virus cases per capita. Um, When the coronavirus first erupted in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, in the spring, Mayor Paul Tenniken arrived at work each morning with a clear mission. Stop the outbreak at the pork plant. (laughs) There's nothing funny about that at all, but pork plant is just, yeah. Hundreds of employees chopping... uh, Chopping meat shoulder to shoulder had gotten sick in what was then the largest virus cluster in the United States. 
That outbreak was extinguished, oh, that's good to know, months ago. And these days, when he heads into City Hall, the situation is far more nebulous. A virus has spread all over town. Hmm. Quote, you can swing... <laughs> this is South Dakota. Quote, you can swing a cat and hit someone who has got it, said Mr. <laughs> Tennigan, who had to reschedule his own meetings to Zoom this past week after his assistant tested positive for the virus. My goodness. Now... I, I do need to point out, I think as a lot of people know, South. when he says you can swing a cat and hit someone who's got it, in New York, if you were to swing a cat, you would hit people, it would hit a lot of people. It's even <laughs> In South Dakota, there's an enormous amount of room between right. the people. So the, the size of the cat has to be proportional. Just the fact that you can hit anyone. Yeah, it shows how bad it is. Um, as the coronavirus soars across the country, charting a single day... That was a pause for... I was shocked. As the coronavirus soars across the country, charting a single-day record of 99,155 new cases on Friday and surpassing 9 million cases nationwide, tracing the path of the pandemic in the United States is no longer simply challenging. It has become nearly impossible. Um, so, just up and up we go. Uh, Unco I'm just jumping down a little bit. Uncovering the path of transmission from person to person, known as contact tracing, is seen as a key tool for containing the spread of the coronavirus. Within a day or two of testing positive, residents in many communities can expect to get a phone call from a trained contact tracer who conducts a detailed interview. This is actually this is in uh, El Paso. Um, you can as soon as you you can get a, a call, and. Uh, you will get a call from a, con a trained contact tracer who conducts a detailed interview before beginning the painstaking process of tracking down each new person who may have been exposed. And by the way, I should mention that in New York too, um, incredible, like uh, my wife had gone to visit family in Florida, had come back simply by having done that. She got calls three times a day, asked, reminding her to quarantine. And oh, uh, she, had quarantine for two she weeks. actually got the calls. Yeah. Yeah. Constantly. And, um, um, also telling her, asking, you know, if she had a temperature or whatever, and then reminding her to get her test after uh, the 14 days, and then she could be free. So um, in North Dakota, state officials announced they could no longer have one-on-one -on -one conversations with everyone who may have been exposed. Aside from situations involving schools and healthcare facilities, people who test positive were advised to notify their own contacts, leaving residents largely on their own to follow the trail of the outbreak. And uh, I, I encourage you just to go read this article because it goes on to Philadelphia, North Dakota. It just goes on and on and on. Um, I'm going to jump to the end here. Uh, Heidi Stevens is among the newly infected who considers her case a mystery. As a columnist at the Chicago Tribune, that's a major newspaper here, uh, Ms. Stevens works from home her children attend school online. She wears a mask when she goes for a run, and she's not had a haircut since January. Heidi, I'm with you. Uh, <laughs> it's all for the haircut. So when she got a precautionary test a few weeks ago with the hopes of inviting friends over to have cake for her daughter's 15th birthday, uh, Ms. Stevens was shocked to learn she was positive. Quote, I would drive myself crazy if I tried to really nail it down. Where? she get it, said Ms. Stevens, 46, who was hospitalized for three days and still wakes up with headaches. 
Did she pick up an infected apple at the grocery store and somehow touch her eye? Should she have been wearing a face shield in addition to her mask? The possibilities feel endless. It's just out there, she said. Woo! Dun, dun. So, so uh, yeah, people are getting, I, I remember just going, even early on, that there were, was uh, some, you know, someone, maybe one of your colleagues in a way, uh, you know, a very trained scientist or medical expert who, who had to travel, and he just did the full, he did every possible precaution, and he still got it, and he had no idea. Uh, so, what, Gabby, what's, what does this mean? So this links really heavily into that concept of community spread, which you've probably heard a lot of bandied about with no actual nice formal definition. <laughs> so essentially, community spread is that it can't really be linked to single outbreaks that are, you know, one infected person walks into a bar and then a dozen infected people walk out. This is just that, you know, there are enough infected people around in the community that by existing in public spaces and interacting with the public, you could get the virus. And there's not really necessarily a clear case cutoff. New York seems to use uh, 10 cases per 100,000 people as an indicator that the uh, state or region is kind of getting into a danger zone where community spread might become more possible. But what we're seeing right now is a lot of places in the United States that have, you know, 10 or 20 times that kind of spread that if 25% of their coronavirus tests are coming up positive, that means that they're not sampling enough people in the population and that a huge fraction of the people are sick and it's just kind of out there. So just going and doing your, your daily activities that you expect might be safe, like venturing out to the grocery store is more of a risk than we would like it to be. Yeah. Okay. So Matt, what do you do when you read an article like that? What do you do? Um, well, that's a good question. I think one of the things that uh, this raises is sort of what the philosophers would call an epistemological problem. Mm. When your measurements start returning uh, odd results, one thing, one option you have is to say, well, those results are correct. And this is actually an indication of what is out there in reality. Uh, or you can say there's a problem with my sampling and with my measuring system. Um, and when you're trying to measure something new, this is particularly a problem. Um, so I don't know, Gabby, I don't know if you have uh, thoughts on this of how you persuade people when your measurements are showing what you think they're measuring or when it's just a selection effect. I think with this, it's probably more than a selection effect since at this point, regular testing is slightly more implicated. Like, uh, uh, can't think of the word that I was actually going for. Implemented. There we go. I speak English. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it's, I can't speak for some of the states that are having a lot of these problems right now. Like, I, I can't speak for like South Dakota or uh, what, what's the one? Is it Wisconsin that's having a, just Wisconsin a lot of trouble right now? Wisconsin yeah. is so in New York, for instance, we have a rule. I, I believe I have these numbers correctly. That if your neighborhood goes above uh, a three percent infection rate, so if three percent of the people in your neighborhood or borough or whatever the measurement is. Um, you need to be locked down so they will ramp up the restrictions, right? Um, in Wisconsin, 
there are areas of Wisconsin that are having a 30% infection rate. So, th and that's all that those, that's the ones who are being tested or, you know, whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. At that point, there's probably a ton more asymptomatic people that they're missing. Like, and, and it's just something where, you know, ideally it would be great to be testing every single person in the population all the time. And that number might go down a little bit, mm -hmm. but if 30% of the people getting tests are positive, you don't have any semblance of control over the virus at all. And it's a weird spot because I, you know, after the initial lockdowns, people have seemed to made it extremely, people have been very resistant to the concept of other additional restrictions of like sort of yeah. backsliding into that as though th that's not going to help or something like that. I, I don't really know exactly what the reservations are besides maybe like just economy. But I mean, to be perfectly honest, it's, it, there's not really, just wearing a mask and being outside in a place like Wisconsin seems a little bit more like a liability of just being another body in a space where that many people have, are infected is honestly blowing my mind just looking at the case numbers. Right. So, uh, so it means that what it, it sounds like what it means is that, and this is the hardest thing to, to, for people to understand. For instance, so I have a, 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 a friend of mine, uh, sort of my group of friends. So one person has uh, got tested and got, got coronavirus. Uh, he's totally fine, fortunately. So it seems fine. So, so he would be technically asymptomatic, but he'd done this test and oh, and so he immediately told uh, other friends of ours who he had been with. Hey, I just got tested for coronavirus. And then I was speaking to this other friend who who was saying, uh, well, uh, you know, first of all, well, fortunately he's fine, but like this is the extent of their interaction. They were um, both wearing masks. They only met outside on the sidewalk, didn't speak more than 15 minutes, um, and, you know, had very little interaction and stuff like that. And then I said, well, uh, technically, I think you – the friend of the friend need to quarantine. So obviously the one who got coronavirus, he's quarantining. But the friend who was with him, I was like, technically, I think you need to quarantine because you were now, if they, you know, you go somewhere and they say, well, were you, have you been with somebody who has recently tested positive? And um, so, you know, he was like, but, you know, I don't know. And he said, I spoke to a doctor and he said, look, you you know, every single possible minimization thing you could have done, you, you, you were doing, so you should probably be okay. This doctor wasn't saying you should mandatorily do it. So I just, he, here's my takeaway. And then Gabby, I've been interested for years. And both of you, actually. I was like, I, I have enough guilt. <laughs> that the idea, if anybody, I, if I had it, if I got tested positive, and then anyone who I had been with got it, I would just assume it was me, regardless of whether there was any scientific value to that. But nonetheless, I just wouldn't want to be the one, especially if something bad happened to them. So um, ultimately, you kind of have to own it. And the hardest thing for people to own, again, these people I was speaking to are scientists or scientifically minded in any way. They're not magical thinkers or anything. They're very you know, rational people. But nonetheless, you have to own the risk. Um, but what that means ultimately is that we still don't no. Right. So people, this is the important thing to get that the people are not, people are getting it and they don't know how they got it. And I've seen this again and again, people on TV also have been saying, I don't know how I got it. I did everything I was supposed to do. Um, which means the restrictions are not as strong as they could be. But let me just take one thing scientifically. 
What does that mean? How could they possibly have gotten it? Well, that's the thing. These guidelines help, but they're not like a cure-all. Standing six feet away from someone, even if you're just like on the sidewalk, might not always protect you. It's just that you're a lot less likely to get it than you would be if you were standing as close as you might normally be standing to talk to them. So, I mean, I know me, I am both cautious and also like you feel pretty guilt-ridden. I also would feel really bad if I gave it to someone. Um, so I know I would be on lockdown and, you know, probably, you know, fortunately my university has a good system for testing people. And I know I would get tested twice, uh, in, you know, like three days staggered. That's like Mm, a normal, mm. so that, that's a, a testing method that people are using more often now because there's about a three day incubation period before the virus can be detected. If you get come in contact with someone, say on Monday, and you try to get tested on Tuesday because you found out that same day that they were positive, it might not show up for you that you actually were infected. And there have been a number of cases where people have thought they were doing the right thing. They got tested and then they went to go visit relatives and they infected all of their relatives um, because they didn't know that they they were still in the incubating phase, basically. So one of the protocols now is to get tested once wait about three days, and then get tested again. And if both of those come back negative, you should be fine. But yeah, yeah, I feel like if I was that friend, I would would be really skeeved out and would definitely, (laughs) I would definitely take a test. I would put myself on like temporary lockdown and then take a test and see how I felt. Right, right. I think that's what I should have said. Look, I'm skeeved out. (laughs) It's going to have an effect one way or the other. Yeah, the skeeve factor. Um, I was thinking about something, Matt, and tell me if this is correct, that one thing people don't quite understand is, and I, I can't say I understand it fully, this would be a perfect example of me knowing something just enough to be dangerous. Um, in, For instance, in fluid dynamics, right, or, or chaotic systems or something. By the way, we, we did, uh, mm-hmm. you helped us do an awesome show about rocket engines, yeah, for rocket, instance. Yeah. yeah, and we were talking about how it is a highly chaotic system, and that means that you know things can go all different directions. Obviously, you could have an explosion in a rocket, but we're just talking about breathing or water. And we didn't notice you ever you turn on the sink, for instance, you might, or you you poured something in the sink. Let's say you had coffee, and you just ran by and you just boom poured it in the sink. And uh, sometimes you will see that a splash of that in a place where you're like, "How did that? How did that ever get right there? Yes. all the way over there?" And mm-hmm. The reason is that that with things like fluids and whatever, chaotic systems, uh, a splash being like a cough or a sneeze or anything, stuff can go much – just because they say six feet is a good range. Yeah, that's right. So it's not that at six feet all droplets suddenly stop moving. Um, yeah. But rather, uh, you say sort of statistically, that's the point at which uh, you have to pick some – number you know, mm-hmm. you know what, what's the likelihood of encountering a droplet at a certain distance um and i don't know what that standard is um but pre- i would wager it's pretty low um say you've got a one in 20 chance of absorbing a droplet and that's considered to be uh, the dangerous percentage um right. and then you uh <laughs> then you have people cough a whole bunch of times and you measure it and you watch uh, and you say, okay, well, six feet is about the distance at which 
um, you're 5% vulnerable to absorbing a drop. Yeah. Um, but as you say, fluid dynamics are weird. Um, and it's, this is definitely an empirical question. That is, you want to get people into the lab and have them cough a whole bunch of times and watch, as opposed to someone sitting down at a desk and calculating and saying, yeah, I'll bet it's like this. Right? That turns out to be a bad idea when it comes to things like water droplets and infections. Yeah, yeah. And, and Plus, you know, you yeah. could be downwind of someone. Yeah, like that's if, right. And that makes if all of their sneezes are blowing directly at you, it doesn't necessarily matter if you're six feet away, you're getting all of it. That's right. Well, and so for instance, along those lines, there's all sorts of things that uh, that would need to factor into that if you were really, really wanting to be careful. So for instance, um, in the classroom with my students, uh, they have to be six feet from each other, but they have to be 15 feet from me because I'm facing them. So, oh, so it's, it's not you specific. No, well, it might just be me. That's a, <laughs> I, I have my suspicions about what the NYU administration thinks about these things. Um, but because I'm facing them, um, yeah. the, the, the droplets from my mouth will project further towards them than if they're just standing next to each other talking. Um, so things like that, if you really want to be careful, you have to keep those things in mind. But yet, yeah, if one student, you know, turns... As I'm sure there are group discussions. No, actually, I should say they are forbidden from turning to each other. Um, I cannot have group discussions in my class. Whoa. Um, one of the reasons I have been very miserable this semester is I actually have to convey information instead of just having them talk to each <laughs> other. And it's a huge burden. How strange. Even if they're wearing masks. That is correct. It, but see, okay, now, now. Now I'm, I'm, I'm the whiny one. I'm the whiny American <laughs> in, in that moment because... Look, NYU is saying we don't know, but 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 here here's what I've very interesting thing that's come up in this whole thing is uh, the the expression an abundance of caution, right? right. <laughs> and I love, by the way, I love uh, aviation, and I love you know I love you know aero uh, learning how planes are built, and and I love there's lots of great. Um, YouTube videos. Uh, there are pilots who, you know, they'll do other one. They'll just show you like, oh, this is how the plane works, and this is how you, we what we do on our job and stuff. But there's also ones where if there are accident, um, they review accidents, and you really see, you know, we learned this is what we learned, and this is why when you go on a plane and you see this particular button or that light that exists because this accident happened and we learned right. how to fix yeah. it. Right, we learned it the hard way. Yep. That's right. And an abundance of caution kind of thing is saying, look, okay, not only did they fix that thing, but we're going to make it so that's incredibly unlikely. You know, we're just going to do all this stuff to make sure we don't even get near that. And I think that is a hard thing for people to do at a personal level. And it hurts the economy and all that. And uh, mm -hmm. I have a, a, someone I work with is actually in Paris, uh, is, had to go home to France. And uh, once she's there, she's now everyone's locked down. And in Paris right now, they can only go out for an hour a day. Yep. There are apps. Yeah. There's an app and you literally have to, it's like you have to ask for a hall pass. Um, and she said, yes, it's not like a joke where uh, no one's really watching. She said, no, there are police that go up and down the street and they want to see the app. And if you have to show it to them, if they ask you, um, that'll do it. Yep. Like, uh, you know, yeah. th that'll do it. Um, but again, coming coming back to the science, here's a question, science question I've had for you, Gabby. So one of the things my friend was asking me, he's like, well, how could I get it? And I said, well, here's my impression. Again, could be 
just enough to be dangerous and completely wrong. But my impression is that it gets in you somehow. Okay, so some certain amount of the virus, a certain number of the virions, the virus particles, mm -hmm. get in you through a droplet or several droplets or whatever. You, you ingest it. And it's not just like, oh, you just had a little bit, and then that, if you only got a little bit, that's going to go away. I suppose if your immune system is able to get it and just immediately kill it, that would be great. But that's not how it works. Your immune system has never seen this thing before. And what happens is you start, is this correct? You essentially start manufacturing um, the viruses. Yeah, it's it, like alien. it grows inside of you. It yeah, grows inside of exactly. you. And then you start walking around breathing it. You are you're like a little factory walking around yeah. like a smokestack breathing out and I, I way think more than existed when it went in you. Yeah, and I think it's easy too to think about it like, you know, like that one slice of bread that's been in your, freeze, in your, in your fridge for a while and it gets moldy out of nowhere? <laughs> you can't see the mold before it starts growing. And you may take all the precautions you want about, you know, sticking it back in the bag, not like exposing it to air too much, but almost without fail, it's going to get moldy at some point. And so uh, it's kind of like that of just like, you may think you're taking all of the right precautions, but because you can't see this thing, there's a chance, you know, mm -hmm. you're going to get moldy. Yeah, like, you know, they say, Jeff Goldblum says in the Jurassic World, life finds a way. Life finds a way. Uh, Although this is a better, life question mark. That's right. And a better thing might be to say, well, yeah, then there's no question our virus is alive. But yeah, I would go even further and just say death finds a way. Oh, goodness. Dun, dun. <laughs> That's pretty heavy. Yeah. But it's true. Should have had that one for a spooky episode. Yeah. Yes. Death always wins. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, we you just you just don't. No, and so you have to be cautious, and and then the question becomes, well, okay, now uh, think about who's around you. Uh, I think that's another thing. If you just, I don't know, if it helps you, if you need mental images, you could very you without absolute without knowing it, you may test negative. You may have absolutely no. You may feel great, have no visible symptoms of any kind, but you could be breathing out like a factory of deadly viruses yeah yeah i mean public health is the the classic example of why a a purely uh self-interested libertarian viewpoint actually doesn't function it mm. doesn't matter how responsible you are or how morally a good person you are if you are infected you will be breathing out these viruses and making other people sick um, and, uh, if you, if you're not willing to acknowledge that your actions have impacts on others, then we get where we are now. I also think like building on that, the current, like there are so many States like Wisconsin that should be in like a March, April level lockdown right now. Like, you know, a lot mm. like what Europe is doing, yeah. but the, I guess I'm sure there's probably people who are confused about lockdowns now versus like that original one. Cause I mean, think about it. If you looked at the case numbers all the way back in April, that was what, like 400,000 people yeah. max. And like, you know, the whole world was losing its mind and now we're at like 9 million and it's like, Hey, it's Tuesday. So yeah. which, first of all, the, the normalization of this is still crazy. Yeah. Um, but you know, our original goal in like those wave one lockdowns was to try to run this thing extinct to try to make it so that no one ever got it again. And that if we could totally, you know, squeeze it out of the population, make sure that it wasn't spreading at all after those lockdowns, 
you know, th- then that, then we wouldn't have to worry about it at all. But unfortunately, we didn't really have a good handle on how much it had spread in places that didn't have a lot of testing. And a lot of places eased their lockdowns way too early. And so it's, we're stuck in this very reactionary cycle. And now as we're, we have skyrocketing cases, we're nearing uh, a lot of, you know, holidays and people trying to be like, oh, well, I'm just going to do this one thing with my family. Yeah. I, I am really concerned about where we're going if we don't have some sort of lockdown in some states, especially by like December. Thanksgiving, all so, these holidays. Yeah. I mean, already yeah, Halloween, they were huge, you know, even in my neighborhood. But this, there's a lot of, Williamsburg is known for its parties. Woo! But <laughs> well, You're known for your parties. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm known for hiding from all parties, regardless of health risk. Um, but uh, yeah, there was, you know, just ridiculous. 500 people at some Halloween party packed. I mean, it was just just absolutely insane. Uh, yeah, they, they shut one down. Yeah, I, I yeah. remember reading about that. Like yeah. a 500-person Halloween party. Yeah, one here, a little bit near here in East Williamsburg and another up in the Bronx. So, uh, yeah, insane. So, uh, don't do that. Wherever you are, stop it. Stop it. Yeah. Stop it. Keep your parties to the Zoom. Try to avoid putting 500 of your closest friends in the same room. That's right. Have a science. This is maybe something we should do. We should have like a science party where it's... You where know, no one we, comes. We, sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's in the lab. <laughs> uh, they, yeah, that'd be great. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll, I'll end with this, by the way. Um, a couple of, I was listening to a very detailed report from uh, two very respected journalists. And, and this is where I do get a lot of my news. That is uh, Stephen Colbert, mm-hmm. uh, talk, chat show host, talk show host, uh, comedian, but, you know, smart, serious guy, was interviewing um, uh, John. Uh, uh, last week tonight with John Oliver. <laughs> so <Yes>. another, <laughs> another comedian. But so John Oliver is from Britain, uh, UK, obviously. And um, uh, Colbert was asking him, what's it like? He's like, you know, you, okay, you guys have your leader is also, uh, was it Boris Johnson is kind of anti-science, isn't he? And he's a little bit like Trump and they're not handling the virus well in, in the United Kingdom. And uh, John Oliver said, well, first of all, yeah, our leader is kind of like people don't trust anything he says and all that. And he isn't always said the wisest or smartest or safest things, but he said, there is no, they don't know. This could be an exaggeration, but he was saying, we don't have an anti-science mentality. And in Britain, they, they, they treasure their national health service. And one Mm -hmm. reason the country has come together and been motivated is the idea of, we don't want to overwhelm our, wonderful health service um and you know he just said you guys are on another another plane and the anti-science thing is a real uh, a real issue so that's something we try to attack anyway um here on the show and uh on fridays with what the if so check out check check that out uh anything you guys would like to plug or unplug (laughs) (laughs) any cable news connection i have that's getting unplugged today oh (laughs) that's good uh, and Matt, uh, nah, nothing going on. Yeah, no group dis. Please, no group discussions. <laughs> yeah. And wherever you are, keep your professor at at least fifteen. Fifteen. That you know that might just keeping your professor at a that fifteen might foot be distance. Good advice, always. Yeah. yeah, it's not bad. Out of, out of an abundance of caution, <laughs> say? I say with love for all my my professors. Um, thank you for tuning in. Leave us a review, please. Leave us a review. Help. Look, help this if you think this show helps you. If it helps spread a little bit of scientific 
knowledge, uh, we would love more people to be able to hear it and uh, leave us a review on uh, your podcast app that you're listening to right now. Leave us five stars. We can write us a review. That would be fantastic. Uh, we're starting to get some letters in, by the way. Uh, uh, so shoot us an email at uh, feedback at whattheif.com or just go to the website, whattheif.com, and there's this little box there right right on the front page. You can write us a note, and uh, we'll, we'll be addressing some of those. And in, and coming up, I'm um, not sure if it's this coming Monday, but very soon, mm-hmm. our uh, intern, now intern emeritus. That's right. Yeah. Graduated. Uh, Howard Jung who uh, did does tremendous work on, on a lot of the a lot of the helping us get the show on the air and got got the word out uh just returned from i think a couple of months in china right and uh he's gonna come on actually gabby i'd love for you maybe maybe you would have an interesting question for him about how they handle yeah. things in china um he's gonna, gonna share his experience of, of how things are being uh, run there both positive and negative he says unfortunately there are certain benefits to an authoritarian <laughs> Uh, regime, and he was talking about the United States. So, uh, <laughs> no, I won't speak for Howard. Thank you all for tuning in, and uh, stay tuned, stay safe. Uh, good luck to everybody on the show.